Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Hey, we've been talking about a series called Be of Good Cheer. Everybody cheerful today? Cheerful. We've been talking about cheerfulness, and it's hard to be cheerful when you're fearful. Amen? And we've talked about how we rejoice in difficult circumstances the first week. And we talked about how God has called us to learn how to rejoice, and he's shaped us to be able to rejoice in ways that circumstances would often keep us from rejoicing. And last week, we talked about taking courage when difficult times hit and how Jesus said there will be tribulation. He basically promised us, hey, there's going to be trouble ahead, but here's the deal. Take courage. I have overcome the world. And then he has put his spirit in us and that we can overcome. We can't have the courage. We can't take courage in difficult circumstances to overcome the things that we're facing. And today we're going to talk about peace on earth. Peace on earth. It's, it's a phrase that you hear around Christmas time. But really it's not a phrase that should be limited to Christmas. Because peace is not something that I just want in Christmas time. It's something I want in my life all the time. I don't know if you want that, but I know that I want that. I know I want peace in our church. I want peace in my marriage. I want peace with my children. I want peace with my staff, with our relationships, with my friendships, with other friends and pastors. I want peace. I don't want chaos. I like peace. And here, there's a lot that we're going to learn today about peace. And I really want to say today that for some of you, this message is really going to be not just an eye-opener, but I believe it's going to be a place of healing for you. Because you've come from atmospheres where peace is the last thing on the agenda. And chaos and confusion and animosity and contentious people and arguments. and just like some of you came and grew up in those kinds of environments. Where the way you, you end a discussion is you slam the door and you walk out. That's the home you grew up in. Or people don't speak or it's a screaming match. You just, you grew up in that. And so some of you are, are trying to establish for yourselves new rhythms, new patterns of life. And, and what does life look like following Jesus, but taking this way I, I've built habits into my life and, and this training I've had in my life. How do I make this fit with my future and my family and my friendships? Well, we're going to learn how to do that. Amen? Amen. Colossians chapter 3 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. I'm going to read that again. Let the peace of Jesus Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So here we have the Apostle Paul directing us to, to something that is critical to everyday lives. Because all kinds of things make their attempts to rule in our hearts. Here's Paul saying, let the peace of God rule in your heart. But then you hit Monday, and Monday what starts to try and rule in your heart? Fears, frustrations, anxieties. Some of you have to go home to that today. Some of you are trying to figure out, how do I, how do I let peace rule in, in a place that's the opposite of peace? That's full of chaos, that's full of confusion, that, that's full of animosity. People far from God. I think it starts with us. This is what Paul is saying to us. It, it's not about what's happening out there. It's not about what's happening in our home. It's about what's happening first in me. 
It's not what's happening at work. It's not what's happening in politics. It's not what's happening. Yes, this has an effect on society. But for the Christian, at some point, we have to rise above what we're experiencing and what we're feeling and what we're going through. Going through. Going through. Going through. Through it. Not stopping where we are, but going through it. Because something is always trying to make its way into ruling our hearts. Something is. Our peace, I should say, is, is always under attack. And I think that what's more shocking about that statement is that we're shocked that peace is actually, our peace is actually attacked. Like if you think about it, Jesus has filled our lives with light and life and faith and hope. And then we step out into darkness and we're shocked that we would meet any opposition. We're shocked that there would be spiritual forces at work to undermine the position that we've decided to take a stand on. We're shocked that the family we're trying to build has hints of the last family we came from. We're shocked. We're shocked that things push against us. We're shocked that there's adversity. And we're frustrated and we're saying, God, where is the peace? But the peace is in you. God says, let the peace rule in your heart. This is how Jesus put it. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus was not just saying, I'm going to leave you peace. He was saying, I'm giving you my peace. The peace that I have. The peace that I have in this world that I've come to, that I've overcome, that I understand, that I've endured, that I've persevered through, that I know about, that I know the future, and that peace I'm giving to you. Not to a few select people, not to someone who goes and lives on a mountain where there's no chaos and no conflict. I've always wondered that about, wondered that about people who are like, yes, I live on a mountain now, away from the troubles of the world. Well, come back to my world where there's some trouble and show me how peaceful you are, and then maybe I'll think that your way is a little bit better. But I got to go back to some crazy family and I got to go back to some crazy people and deal with this chaotic work environment and these co-workers and this boss. Come on now, it's Christmas. Be of good cheer. Don't fear. Tell the truth. There are some co-workers you have to work around. If I could just live on a mountain, that would be great. I wouldn't have to face anybody else's conflicts. I wouldn't have to walk in and through personality differences and misunderstandings and disagreements. Human relationships are complex. The idea of everybody getting along is wonderful. The work it takes is a whole other ball game. And everybody who's married said, amen. <laughs> peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Jesus was telling us that in him and through him, peace has come. That peace is already here. That, that peace has been given to you and I. That our peace isn't going to be found in circumstances. It's not going to be found when this is right and when that's right and when that works out. That peace has already come. And we've been given the opportunity to, to freely receive what he gives us. So we see that when the angels come through what we call the Christmas story, they, they declare, firstly, the glory of God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill towards men. The first thing we see is God getting glory when peace comes. Because that's what our lives reflect when peace operates in our lives. It reflects the glory of God. 
Sometimes we're wondering how, how we're going to, to make a, a difference in this world with our relationship with God and what God is doing in us. Well, first, I believe it starts with the peace of God ruling in your life. Your light's shining. Jesus said, let your light shine. Well, that light has to shine. God has to do the work in us before it can really take root in, and do work in others. So we see the angels declare peace on earth. And then we see way before in Isaiah, it prophesied about Jesus. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, when we think of peace, we tend to think of the absence of conflict. If conflict is out of, out of my life, out of my sight, out of my vision, then hey, everything can be peaceful. But part of growing in Christ is learning how to be in conflict, but not conflict be in you. It's, it's learning how to walk through the stages of, of difficulty that come along with leading anything. And being a part of anything, a relationship, a job, a, a business. I know people that literally, I have, I have walked with them in life for decades now, and, and, I, and I, I'm still shocked that, that they don't get it. Because every job that they leave, it's always the other person's fault. It, always, like every single time. Not this one time where they, every single time. Oh, no, no, man, I'm not there anymore. That didn't work out because this guy. Well, that guy is at every other job. He's at every other job. Different face, different name, same attitude, same temperament, same everything. And if you don't learn to work with this guy, then this guy is going to be at this job. Right? And, and, and I, what I'm saying today is you can have peace in conflict. You can have peace in places where there's chaos. You can learn to walk in seasons of difficulty, and it not over, overcome you, but you can overcome it. And, and, and this is different than the language that we hear because in the world, we, we're just used to circumstances settling and then people are peaceful. The problem is they're only peaceful for a season because it's temporary peace. It's like fix a flat. It's like a patch on the tire, right? If, if it's not really done well, it's going to be flat again. And if you see... He says, I don't give you peace as the world gives. I give you peace that I leave with you, that I give to you. What does the world give peace? The world gives us peace in circumstances going right. Like this amazing couple right here, Cody, Cody and Sarah. I've watched them for the last seven years walk through some of the biggest challenges of anybody in our church. Like I'm talking difficulties. And if you want to know what they are, you can talk to them. Take them out to lunch, and they will share you, with you their life. I just got you some free lunch, so you're buying me next week. And, you know, in overcoming that, they never lost their joy. Yeah, it was attacked, but they never lost their joy. She's continued to worship. He preached. He sang. He did all kinds of stuff. And he's got time to work out. Check him out. Walking through seasons of difficulty, walking through seasons of disappointment, walking through seasons of discouragement, walking through seasons year after year after year. This is all while helping us plant the church, not saying, you know, we got some stuff we got to deal with. Y'all peace out. Y'all are on your own. We're dealing with our stuff every Sunday. Just here, planted, serving, helping, standing their ground. Peace had settled in them. 
And it's amazing to watch. And, 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 and one of the, the, the biggest difficulties is you do your best as a pastor to help people succeed and grow in God and grow in life and, and do all kinds of things to just help elevate their life. And just seeing when you see good people that they're, they're giving it their best shot, but man, there's just something's not working. And there's nothing you can, you know, there's no sin in their life. They're not like secretly, you know, whatever's going on. They're, they're just great God-loving people and things have just hit them. And then this last season, just some doors were open for their life or just financially, they just were blessed in a way that got them out of debt, that they're hanging over their life. It's like this chain, this burden was hanging over them for years. And I remember when I just, I heard from him that, that that season was now over, that they were to pay some medical bills off for their child. And they just, just all kinds of stuff. Again, I'm spoiling the lunch, so you just need to take them to lunch and they can tell you everything. But I'm just telling you, it's good to celebrate God and celebrate people who live in peace in spite of the circumstances that come against them. And it's good to watch people's lives who embody that. Because sometimes the loudest mouths are not the people that you need to follow. The people that are loudest about their problems, loudest about the conflict. Can I just say, everybody's got conflict and everybody's got problems. Nobody's free from them. And the moment we begin to think that our life is the only one that has that is the time that we start to lose that influence and that peace ruling in our hearts. I'm telling you today, some of the loudest voices in your life are not the voices you need to be listening to. What do they say? It's always the quiet ones. It's the ones who are, that are standing their ground, still serving, still loving God, still tithing, still believing, still standing in faith. Those are the people where peace has ruled their heart and they will not be moved, planted like a tree by rivers of living water. They flourish and they bear fruit. Beautiful. See, the world gives us counterfeit peace. It gives us peace that's temporary. How do we know this? Because there's things in your garage or things in your closet or things you put up on a shelf that are now trash. They used to be your treasure. There's old televisions. There's old clothes. There's, there's stuff that, that, that was beautiful for you at the time. And it was an absolute necessity. And it brought you peace. It brought you joy. It brought you satisfaction. But now that's faded. And your treasure has become trash. And that trash will be given to goodwill and become somebody else's treasure. And it'll become somebody else's peace if their peace is only in things. And what I'm saying is this is counterfeit. This is not what Jesus is talking about. Not the things of the world that can be taken away. The things that fade away. The things that fade. The things that come and go. He's talking about peace that can be settled in us. That can't be shaken when the storms of life blow against us. Because life changes. I remember just a few months ago when, when all the chaos hit, my family was... Was spread out. I think I'd seen my daughter, the one who was up here singing earlier. I'd seen her maybe, I think, three times in like a couple of months. <laughs> three times I've seen my daughter. I've seen her every day of her life for the last 13 years. And in the last two months with my wife in the hospital, my other baby in the hospital, I've seen her three times. That just felt weird, right? Secondly, I got this baby over here in the hospital and my wife in this hospital. In my house, I was saying in the, in the service before, it felt like my life had, somebody hit the pause button. Because when you walk into my house, there was a Monopoly game that my daughter and I had been playing, and it was still set exactly where we left it like a couple of months before. Like, we never play Monopoly. We finally got this time. We're like, hey, we bought the Monopoly game. We need to do this, and I'm going to destroy you. And I did destroy her. And we, and we set the game out. Oh, and she was destroyed. She was absolutely destroyed. Oh, she got slaughtered. And this is what she gets for challenging. They say you can tell a lot about a person when you 
play Monopoly with them. Come play me. You'll find out. Okay? <laughs> and that game just sat there. It's like somebody had hit the pause button on my life, and we just sat right there. And my daughter's over there. My baby's over there. And my wife's over there. And I remember sitting here thinking to myself, and my church, I didn't see you guys for a while. And I'm sitting here thinking, life has changed unexpectedly, so fast. I have no control over any of this. I've got to fight for my peace. And I'm telling you, some of of you who walked with us on this journey, you know it has been a fight for peace. To, to not be overshadowed by pain, to not be overshadowed by difficulty, to not be overcome by the things that have come against us. What I'm telling you today is that you've been given a peace by God that's worth fighting for. That's worth standing your ground for. You know, sometimes when you're having conflict in your marriage, it's not the other person that you're having the conflict with. It's the pressure that's coming against you and what you're dealing with. That's causing your peace to be unsettled. You set roots like in the ground in peace. And slowly things start to just chop away at those roots to kind of pull that growth out of your life. We lose a sense of peace when we let worry guide our thoughts. We lose a sense of peace. The knowing that we know that God is with us when we let worry guide our thoughts. Worship takes our thoughts towards God. Worry takes our thoughts towards the unknowable future. And Proverbs 12 says that worry weighs a person down. Doesn't worry feel like that? You wake up and the first thing you're thinking about is the last thing you were worried about. And what does it feel like? It feels like a weight. It literally feels like a mental, emotional, and spiritual weight. We're not supposed to be wearing that. It's not supposed to be weighing upon our hearts. See, C.S. Lewis said this, God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it's not there. There's no such thing. Such a powerful statement that that we're looking for peace and we're looking for happiness apart from God. But C.S. Lewis is saying, hey, guess what? It's not there. You're not going to find it. It's not there. And therein lies the light bulb for some of us today because we're looking for peace in a person other than Jesus. We're looking for peace in a place that's not established. We're looking for peace in a position of life that we can say, okay, well then that will give me peace. But those things can be shaken. My life was shaken in an instant. Many times. And especially this year, just shaken. And when you're shaken, you find out what you really believe. You really find out if Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You really find out if you believe that he is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings over every situation. So here's a question I want to ask you. What is the pattern that you have developed when it comes to finding peace? Question mark. Question for you. Homework. What's the pattern you've developed when it comes to finding peace? Is it a place to get to? In other words, the someday syndrome. Someday when that is settled, then we'll be at peace. Someday when she changes, then I'll be at peace. Well, what if she never changes, bro? (laughs) I know a lot of unhappy, long-time married people. And are you going to bank on you being at peace for the next 30 years? 
you know, unforgiveness is so difficult for us. Forgiveness is so difficult for us. And when we carry unforgiveness, it seems so real to us. But then when we hear somebody else's story and we see forgiveness, we we realize it's possible. And and I remember this one story. There was this there was this lady, and she was in her sixties, late sixties. And I remember she was holding a grudge against. Again, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. She's holding a grudge against someone, a grudge against someone who, when she was a teenager, uh, took her boyfriend. But but, but yes, that, that would hurt. But let's let's think about this for a second. Fifty years have gone by. Hang on a second. I didn't say 15. I said 50. Five decades. We got more dead presidents than we have (laughs) years. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking, that's a long time to hold a grudge. But how many of us in the same way are holding on to things that were so long ago that somebody else would giggle at and say, come on, man. You need, dude, just chalk that up to selfishness. They didn't know what they were doing. Let it go. Get free. Live from the peace of God that he gives you. Why would you want to live with that in your soul? Why, why would you want to even give time in your body? Look, if you're not feeling that today, just continue to influence people or lead people or help people, and people will do you wrong. And then you have a chance to forgive them. Because the more people you want to help, the more dysfunctional people come. Right? There's a reason today some of you are maybe bitter or holding on to things that it's hard to let go of, well, that's okay. That's a good place to hang for now because God is working on it. But eventually, you got to get free from that. And eventually, that thing's got to be let go of because it's eating you alive. It's eating your peace. And here's the sad thing. Jesus said he came to give us abundant life and that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And some of us are so used to living in the place, living in the place where we've been stolen from, that we don't even know what abundant life feels like or looks like. Because we're just used to living with bitterness. Jesus came for abundant life. Bitterness is not abundant life. Yeah, but I've been living here for so long. This is my permanent address. And you've been stolen from. And you're wondering, how do I get out of this? you got to change addresses. you got to move from where you are to where God is calling you. In abundant life, there's no place for bitterness in abundant life. It's not eating up someone else. It's eating you up. It's tearing you apart. Areas we need peace. Number one, peace with God. Peace with God. But we can't have peace with God until we have the peace of God. And the only way peace of God comes is when we've surrendered our life to him. It's like trying to get the benefits from God without any contract. I want all the benefits, but none of the accountability, none of the surrender, none of the responsibility. And God is trying to take you deeper than just surface connection with him. He's trying to deepen the roots in your life. And in Romans chapter 5 really explains this well about how we get the peace of God. It's beautiful. Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Okay, check this out. Just, if I could just stop right there. We have been made right. We have been made right. You're not wrong. You've been made right. Not by your work, but by faith in God. Which means you're not performing, you're not striving, you're not working for it. You are trusting what Jesus has done that's applied to your life. And because of that, you're free. 
You don't have to feel free, but Jesus says you're free. Sometimes you've been in prison so long, you don't know what freedom looks like. Okay, I don't know if you get it yet. Keep, let's keep going. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Not because of what we haven't done, but because of what Jesus has done. Man, isn't that good news? Isn't that good news to know that I have got a lot of stuff wrong, but Jesus got everything right. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship. Restored to a relationship of peace with God. Restored because of what Jesus has done. We are restored. Some of you don't know what restoration is like because every relationship is broken. Every past relationship, it, it just ends with chaos and it's like severed. So you don't know what, what, what healing looks like in relationships. Am I talking to anybody today? These are Grace Avenue people. I know I'm talking to you today. You come in and there's brokenness in your life and there's brokenness in your relationships. And you're saying, you know, how, how does this work with God? You know, like, how do you make this connection? It's not anything that you have done. It's everything he has done to restore relationship to you. He came to you. He comes to you. He loves you so much that he comes to you. And he restores relationship. He bridges the gap. He ties things together that were cut off. He heals things in areas of our life that were severed. So the question for us is, if this is what Jesus does for us and we can have the peace of God, then are we still trying to earn God's favor? Are we still trying to earn God's mercy? Are we still trying to pay back God for what we didn't do and should have done? Some of you, this is, this is kindergarten. Some of you, this is like, I'm talking PhD program here. Because, because maybe you, you haven't even, even come into the understanding that by grace, God has saved you through your faith. That your faith in the grace of God brings you into his kingdom. Look, let me say it like this. The thief on the cross didn't have three months to clean his life up. He didn't have time to go, well, thanks, Jesus. Now I got to go get some things right. I got to, let me at least put some, some action into my, you know, I'll go apologize to them and I'll go, I got to go make some things right over here. And I am on a cross. I did steal from people. So I should probably say this to them. No, he literally had to decide in that moment to receive the grace of God for himself. And by the confession of his mouth receiving it, this is what Jesus says. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Enter into the joy that I have for you in eternity. It was instantaneous. He's instantaneous. That's the beauty of the grace of God. It envelops your life. It's a beautiful thing. The peace of God comes when you have peace with God. Number two, we need peace with others. Peace with others and not just because there's conflict in our lives and not just because your relationships are complex and not just because life can be difficult, but and we all have family and family and all that stuff, right? And friends and neighbors and, right? We need peace with others. We need peace with others, but, but not just for our conflicts. We need it for our health. We need community and we need connection. I've been saying this all year. I'm telling you, I, I, I keep saying this, thank God for the church. And I'm not just talking about this church, the church, the whole church, all of Christianity, all of God's people, Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal, Charismatic, non-denominational. I don't care. 
Thank God for the body of Christ praying for my family and agreeing together and standing with us. And we're now here today because of the prayers of God's people. I thank God for the big church, but I also thank God for the local church. Because the local church, I, I couldn't share my, my life and, and, and have a cup of coffee with the entire world. But I could have meals and share life with people right here. And I could cry on people's shoulders here. And I could pray with people here. And I could, I could rest in a place when I needed food and nourishment. And I just needed a pillow to sleep on. I had people serving me. They told me one night I walked out of the hospital and I didn't even, I don't even remember this. I was, I hadn't slept in weeks and I, I literally, didn't I, I don't know where, where Patrick is. I, I heard that I passed out like on the front lawn or something, right? Or I tripped over, over the step on the front door. I didn't even know where I was. Like I was so tired. But I had the church, God's people standing with me. This church right here. See, we need peace with others. If we're isolated from people, we keep them at bay. Then when we go through something, we're kind of like, where is everybody? Well, we keep nobody in our life. We keep our struggles to ourselves. We keep our lives to ourselves. We, 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 we keep walls up. Keep walls up. It's like the Trump wall button. Wall, boom. Wall. Wall. How you want to go out for coffee? Wall. Hi, I love you. I want, I want to pray for you. Wall. And then we wonder. Honestly, we wonder why. We wonder why nobody's there. Look, I'm telling you, you need peace with us for your own community and your connection that is beyond surface. Look, if, if there is no, I'm going to say this, and this is going to rock some of you. If there's nobody in your life who ever asks you how your relationship with God is doing and going, that's a sad place to be. Because if the extent and the ceiling of the conversations is, I know this is hard, but I'm just telling you, if the extent is how much money you're making and how much you killed the deal and how the Spurs won and how the Cowboys won or lost or how the Texans won, if, the, if that's the extent, if that's the ceiling, then it leaves you in a place where there's nobody else above you growing beyond you that can speak into your life. And you've hit a ceiling. So you don't have peace with others because you've not entrusted anyone else with some of your life. You've held your life so close for whatever reason that you can't share it with anyone. Nothing could be more dangerous for when you go through something than to not have anybody there with you. Nothing could be more disheartening than to be in a church for 7, 10, 15, 20 years. I've watched this 20 years and then turn around and have nobody in your life. How can you have no friends after 20 years? Some of you say, well, nobody is that person to me. Then here's my advice. Be that person to someone else. You know how to build people into your life? Serve them like Jesus. Wash feet is like Jesus did. At the pinnacle of his need and in the height of his pain, he's there washing the feet of his own disciples. See, when we serve, we open doorways into our life for other people. And we open up in things in them that they didn't even know they needed because we're serving them. I remember there was a time I was going through an incredibly difficult uh, season in this particular day, I just had a horrible attitude going to church. And uh, I mean, I wasn't even married yet. I was, I was still pretty young and I was serving on a team. And I remember just feeling sorry for myself. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be here and blah, blah, blah. Just an attitude. And I remember showing up that day and this guy wanted to pray with me. And I was, I, it was after service and I, and I prayed with him. And I, he was an older gentleman and he said, can you pray with me? 
I said, sure, what do you want to, what do you want to pray about today? And he goes, I've just been given six months to live, and I don't even know how I'm going to tell my wife, my kids, or my grandkids, can you just pray with me? I remember my problems that day and that season just shrunk and went down to nothing. But here's the thing. If I had not invested in that guy today, I might still be living in my own selfish misery. Because I had to choose to focus on someone else. I'm telling you, the greatest lie you're believing right now is that your problems and your difficulties and your isolation is leading you nowhere. It is leading you somewhere to a greater place of dysfunction unless you let God in. I'm pleading with you from a guy who has needed people around him. My team, our staff, our leaders, thank God. Did you know that this church all through the summer did not miss a beat? We did not lose people. People did not stop tithing. People did not stop giving offerings to our Vision Builders Fund. People did not stop coming. People, there were strangers in the pulpit that people didn't even know. And the church kept going and kept going strong. Now, that may not shock you, but do you know how many churches are based off a of personality? Or if the guy is out of the, out of the pulpit, then the church is, or knows no Daniel here today, we're out of here, we're gone. Like, we've worked hard to build community, not a personality. But I've got some personality, right? I do have some personality. Come on, last point. We'll, we'll close here because we're already five minutes late. The service was actually over 10 minutes ago. So here's la- last point. You need peace with others. And here's number three. Here, y'all can't go anywhere, right? Until I shut it down, you can't go anywhere. That's the beautiful thing about holding this mic. Y'all can't go anywhere. So, Lock the doors. Don't let anybody. Just kidding. Peace for your future. Peace for your future. Peace for your future. Second Thessalonians says, Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. May the Lord of peace continually for your future, continually as you move forward, continually, continually as you parent, continually as you take ground in your life, continually as you move away from dysfunctional places, continually as you move out of bitterness, continually as you move into healthy relationships, continually as you begin to share your life with people, continually may the Lord give you peace as you start to trust again, as you start to bring forgiveness to other people who maybe you don't feel deserve it, but God gave it to you so you know you have to give this forgiveness may the Lord give you peace in these not easy and difficult circumstances but may the Lord give you peace himself continually grant you peace in every single circumstance see friends the enemy is after your peace that's what he'll be after tomorrow morning not your job not your marriage all that that we can put in all that he's after your peace the peace that can be shaken from you But if your peace is attached to the Lord of peace, it can't be taken away. It can't be taken away. Everything else can be shaken. But when your peace can't be shaken, you can stand strong. Let's pray this morning. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. 